Hey everyone, I'm so excited about today's bonus interview with our entrepreneur Priscilla. I have such a passion for nutrition. There was actually one point in my life where I thought I was going to go be a registered dietitian and as you can see, that did not play out for me, but I still love talking about nutrition and eating healthy foods and just nourishing your body and that goes hand in hand with what Priscilla does and everything that we're going to talk about today. So I'm so excited to introduce to you our guest today and just let you hear all, like we just had such a great conversation and it made me question some of my own eating habits when I'm think I'm like, oh, I'm super healthy and I take care of my body. She kind of brought some things to light that I've since we had the interview, really have thought about, and you'll just you'll just have to see. It was such a good interview, so let's get right to it. Welcome to the Profit Podcast, where we teach entrepreneurs how to start, launch, and market their podcast. I'm your host, Crystal Profit, and I'm so excited that you're here. Thanks for hanging out with me today, because if you've been thinking about creating a podcast for a while, well, I'm so glad you found this show. Think of this as the shortcut slash time-saving version of searching Google and YouTube for hours and hours trying to figure out the world of podcasting. Trust me, as a busy mama of three, I get it. You don't have a lot of time to be spent or wasted, I should say, searching the web, trying to find all the right ideas and all the amazing things that are out there, and you just end up overwhelmed. Trust me, I've been there, done that, took home the souvenir. But this podcast is going to help you in practical ways because twice a week we'll be delivering episodes that are going to give you steps to help you create a podcast your audience can't wait to listen to. So let's get right to it, shall we? Hey, you. Yeah. You. Yes. Yes, I'm talking to you. Do you see? Yeah, okay. So are you looking to start a podcast in 2019? But you're thinking, I don't know what I'd talk about. Like, I have no idea even where to get started. Don't, 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 don't even let that thought overwhelm you. Because guess what? I've done all the work for you. I've actually created a workbook that has 500 podcast ideas for any industry. That's right, 500. Actually, it's over 500. I think it's like 554 for any kind of podcast. I specifically created this tool for entrepreneurs who aren't sure if podcasting is right for them. They say, well, I have a blank, insert any kind of industry, business. Will a podcast work for me? My answer, 99.99999% of the time is, yes, a podcast will totally work for that kind of business. So let's say you're in personal finance, or real estate, or business, or marketing, or technology, or beauty and fashion, or pet services, or life coaching, or parenting, or any other number of industries. I've got you covered. Let me show you some podcast ideas that I have for you to get started. You can go to crystalprofit.com slash 500 podcast ideas. That's crystal with a K, profit with two F's and two T's. 
crystalprofit.com slash 500 podcast ideas and you can grab this free, 100% free download today. So this interview with our guest, Priscilla Johnson, was recorded earlier this year, and Priscilla's from Canada, and in the episode, we were talking about, you know, it being colder there, and it being warmer here, and oh my gosh, like, just the differences. I live in Houston, she lives in Canada, and so um, it was really cool to have another international guest on the show, and what Priscilla does is she is a nutrition therapist that specializes in skin health. She has a passion for helping people with problems like acne, rosacea, and eczema, and she wants to help people clear their skin through their dietary and lifestyle changes. She brought so many awesome things to my attention that, like I said in the intro, like I consider myself as being very conscious of eating healthy foods and, you know, taking care of myself, taking care of my body, working out and doing all these things. But she brought so many things to my attention that I was like, oh my gosh, I've never thought about that before. So I won't keep you waiting any longer. Here is my interview with nutrition therapist Priscilla Johnson. Okay, Rookie Podcast listeners, I'm really excited to introduce to you today Priscilla. So welcome to the show, Priscilla. Thanks so much, Crystal. It's great to be here. Yeah. So, um, um, you know, in the intro, we kind of gave gave a little bit about your bio and who you are. But can you just share with us your story and your journey and how it is where you are today? Okay. Well, my story really started kind of as a teenager. So I went through the getting acne and then having people tell you, "Oh, it'll go away in so many years." and then of course it doesn't. So you start trying different things. You go to doctors and a nurse practitioner, dermatologist, and you start finding that the whole concept around clearing up your skin is um, no pain, no gain, as in like more and more suffering. So they either telling me just to wash my face with a different washcloth three times a day, which is not the primary reason or way to get rid of acne. And then of course drying topicals, which were... Um, harsh on my skin, really unbalanced it, and uh, even painful at times, to being, oh, maybe it's a hormone thing, let's just put you on birth control, and then finally going to a dermatologist thinking he'll be the answer, and he just put me on antibiotics. When those didn't work, he wanted to put me on Accutane. That was kind of when I threw in the towel and I said, okay, no, I need to figure out what's going on internally in my body, because Accutane is very strong, can have many side effects. And you actually have to pause it um, so many months because then you have to take blood tests to see if there's things going on with your body. So something that that's that strong just to try and get rid oh of things God. on my face and my body that wouldn't go away. I knew there had to be something more. So I did start um, on the journey of you know cleaning up my diet and that improved my skin a bit. But there's still, I realized there was a key that I was missing. And it was very confusing as to what was I missing. Um, that kind of led to me researching in uh, schools. And before I even went into a college, I was diagnosed with a polycystic ovarian syndrome, which is like a hormonal kind of disorder. That was part of what played into my acne as well as uh, many other internal things that affect people commonly today. So going through school and learning to be a nutrition therapist, I finally figured out the internal processes of the body and some of the factors that 
were affecting my skin. All those years, the other professionals that I've been going to didn't even ever once ask me about my diet or about hormones or um, about health. I could have been you know, eating McDonald's every day and doing junk food and soaking up pop, and they would have just given me another topical or another internal drug. They wouldn't have even asked me about the health part of it. So finding that key was really life-changing because now my skin finally cleared up. And contrary to popular belief, when you, clear, um, when you clean up your diet, that can be a huge thing, but that's not always the only thing. Sometimes people have food sensitivities and sometimes people have other internal things going on that will continue to affect their skin if they don't address them. So they can be trying to do all the right things and yet still experience skin issues. So it's really kind of the amazing power that our body has to heal and the fact that we have the ability to do so much change. Oh, that's awesome. I mean, what, what, a, wow. Like that just, I can't imagine how frustrating it must have been. So how long of a process was it until you realized, oh, I need to do like, I have a major overhaul with my diet. Like how long of a process was that? Six years. I was oh, an adult. I was still an adult and suffering with skin issues. And I finally was like, there's something wrong. Oh, um, I just can't imagine. Yeah. But at the same time, now that you help people overcome this, I can imagine that, I mean, you have a perspective of like, I understand like your frustration and I've been there. And I know that as you know, if I were to come to you and say, Priscilla, I need your help. Like, and you were to tell me, I get it. I've totally been right where you are. Like that gives you the perspective of your clients. So, um, so how long have you been doing, um, nutrition therapy? I've been doing nutrition therapy for about a little over two and a half years. Okay, that's awesome. So I didn't even know a nutritionist, a nutrition therapist was a thing. I've heard of, you know, a dietitian and a nutritionist. So where does that kind of fall? Um, what role would you play in someone um, saying that they wanted a lifestyle change? Like, are you recommended by a doctor to come see you? Like, how does that process work? I'm not recommended by um, doctors or kind of like, um, you know, the licensed medical <clears throat> field. So I'm kind of in the realm of um, nutritionists. That people might kind of call it like a holistic nutritionist, but that's not technically my title. So because the school I went to wasn't like a governmental dietitian or a nutritionist school, I do fall in the realm of, you know, outside that of um, kind of like all the other health coaches and um, holistic nutritionists, those, all those individuals who have a lot of knowledge and did go to school for, um, was it alternative health? So I'm not a functional MD uh, or a naturopath, but I do fall in that category of your doctor probably wouldn't recommend because they kind of can't, but still um, I, I do have the, you know, the knowledge there, but not like governmental medical school. <laughs> Right. I, and I'm sure it's like a regulation thing that they don't want to say, oh, you know, this works because then what's going to happen to the pharmaceutical industry? <laughs> you know, it's one of those things. It's like, hey, you know, diet can really help. And it's the reason why I ask is because I actually way back in the day was very interested in becoming a nutritionist. And I took a class and then I realized like the clinical side of it was not for me. So I was like, no, I can't do this. But I have always been fascinated by nutrition and um, food and things that it can do for our bodies. So um, 
I do have a few questions about specific food. So um, what foods are some of the biggest culprits for someone to have a skin problem? Well, well, I definitely think in our day and age that, you know, gluten and wheat, there's so many people, they, they might not be um, celiac and they might not have great gluten sensitivities, but between the fact that um, majority of foods that have gluten in them are like processed and refined, so you got the sugar and you got the refined element in it, that is a huge thing that just kind of like put all refined and processed foods in a group of their own. Right. <laughs> gluten for a lot of people seem to have be kind of like a trigger, especially if they have, um, that they're needing to work on more of an autoimmune component or they have other issues going with their body, it can be really a sensitive trigger. Soy seems to affect a variety of people, I think also because it's more estrogenic, and um, there's vegetable oils, B1, sugar is in a category of itself, and the thing is commercial dairy, now people probably hear dairy often, but it's not always dairy, it depends on the individual, so um, regular dairy, of course, the grain-fed, often has hormones kind of milk, um, could definitely affect a lot of people, especially because the majority of the dairy products you see in the store have additives and they have sugar and they're lower fat. So kind of the full fat, um, doesn't have sugar, doesn't really have any additives ones, would be what some people should switch to and they might not see an effect. Other people would do okay on just um, the quality grass-fed, kind of locally raised dairy, and yet others really can't tolerate it at all. So dairy is kind of that, um, maybe or maybe not group and on the more rare occasions especially with some people even like eczema and the, the more serious issues eggs can be a thing so th there's the common ones gluten is huge refined sugar is huge processed foods is huge sugar and kind of like in, even all the little additives it can be in all kinds of food products between sauces to drinks to the all the many 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 things that people commonly eat every day that can be a huge trigger for people, but then there's the, if you have more serious case, it can be other food sensitivities that can pop up, so. Okay, well that, I mean, and that totally makes sense. I mean, when you think about um, them affecting your health in other ways, whether it's gaining weight or, you know, doing anything else, then it totally makes sense that that would affect your skin. So I wanna talk about like your skin in particular. So um, you mentioned, you know, you work with people with, acne, rosacea, eczema, and different types of things. So if someone were to come to you, I was to come to you as a client, how soon, and I'm sure it varies from each individual, but um, how soon can someone see results whenever they do change their diet? It does depend on the person. So it's more of dietary and lifestyle factors. So the body has to have time to um, kind of heal and adjust especially as people will be adding, um, I encourage people to add things in that they're kind of lacking in. Uh, they're so often lacking in quality fats. They're lacking in blends like the vitamin A and the, the, the ADE and K. And uh, omega-3s, they usually higher in omega-6s and lacking in zinc. So kind of the foods they add in as well as they adjust because a lot of people are on the standard North American diet. They can't just cut cold turkey and go on something else. So they have to first transition to what is a quality diet. It's not all, it's not low fat. It's not heavily grain based. It's not all these Franken replacement foods. Right. <laughs> and, and of course the lifestyle factors. So if people are 
heavily stressed and their adrenals are shot and or even one of my one clients is a smoker and, and she did great and she was um she was improving but she hit a wall when she refused to quit smoking and she also had pcos so if you do have a um a hereditary thing like that it can affect pcs can affect the hormones but that doesn't mean that you can't heal it just means that there's another element in there so between whenever i work with people one-on-one or in the you know coming course that i'm releasing in april um it's more of a three-month period to give people just to give your body time to transition anything beyond that is of course individual but three months is like the minimum to make the changes to incorporate different things to make lifestyle changes and to actually allow the body to heal rather than the kind of um is it more modern mentality of push a button or chug back some red bull kind of instinct (laughs) that we're used to that's not how the body works you've been struggling with this for years three months is not a long time in comparison to that if you're trying to give your body time to heal right that's awesome that's and that's like you like you just said i'm like for someone that's probably in a state of like resistance of not wanting to change three months can sound like a long time. But like you said, if you've been struggling with something, especially, you know, for you, I think about six years, you know, if you're just like struggling, you're like three months, you're like, I can do anything for three months. I've been living like, you know, with all these issues, like, yes, whatever, <laughs> please help me. But, um, okay. So what, Um, And this is just a question that I have because I have been more mindful of trying to drink more water. So what does water play? Like what kind of role of importance does it play uh, in skin and the things like, you know, dry skin, like eczema, rosacea, like all the things that you mentioned um, before, how important is that? So I have to be careful when I'm answering this question because I have some holistic esthetician friends who are probably going to be listening to this. So <laughs> so I want to be careful now I say this. So water, you know, you always see, what is it? Articles, a celebrity would be like, oh, why do you have such glowing skin? Well, I just drank water. Well, that's not <laughs> the only reason. I believe that in skin health, water has a place of factor in the body. And yes, people do drink plenty of diuretic drinks and dehydrating drinks. So when they're even just replacing those for um, health reasons, when people are drinking coffee really often and it's a, you know, affecting the, the, the body and they, they need coffee to start in the morning as compared to when they're working on their health and their adrenals are healthy enough and the other, um, they have good sleep and they have a good dietary foundation that now when they get up in the morning, hey, I don't need coffee as my kickstart. I can, because I have that energy and I have that actual mental clarity and not brain fog and all the coffees that people have that have added sugar. So you bring that out and you place it with water, you're automatically going to have an amazing result because you're removing something that's either excessive or um, can be interfering with the body or is a, I'll say a motor for more sugar. So you think that, take that into consideration, you're already going to have an amazing effect. But as for water itself, yeah, it's important because especially people often don't drink enough, um, the majority, some people drink too much. But when you're incorporating that, yes, it does help with things like bodily processes, flushing out toxins. But as for like seeing a huge result in the whole skin on the topical, that's not going to be quite the same as what people have been portrayed in media. It's not like drink more water, 
boom, glowing skin. It's all the other factors. Water is an important part. And as for people who have skin conditions on the topical or dry skin, it kind of varies. There's dry skin where people can get, especially even a little bit of climate, like my climate, but lack of fatty acids, you have more commonly dry skin. Um, Fatty acid balance is a really important thing there. But as I always encourage any of my clients, I work with them on the nutritional and the internal aspect to heal their skin. But I still believe that skin, especially when it went through what I did, those topicals, those drying things, all the things people have done to try and help their skin, there is still damage on the top, which I mentioned all my holistic friends. They would recommend, I would recommend at that point, the next step would be to see a holistic esthetician who understand more of the health of the skin just to see how to take care of the damaged skin on the top your body has an amazing capacity to heal but it's kind of like um, a damaged barrier on the top you're still as you're healing and so afterwards there's still issues it's more of to just help protect it and be gentle with it when they probably tried many other things especially people with acne it taught everything from drying, drying, drying. All the products are drying. All the products are exfoliating. All the products are harsh or all the products are stinging or this or that. I tried proactive. I tried all these other things. It damaged my skin. So I had to actually support it on top to help the, the acid mantle and just to help protect it because it's an organ that's part of my body, even though all the healing came from inside. I hope that answers your question. Yes, I did. I did. And it kind of, I feel like you, you were calling me out. You were speaking directly to me because I drink way too much coffee and I know this and I'm like, Oh, like I need to cut back. Like you're, I feel like you're just putting me on the spot. Like, Oh, I'm like, I need to stop. But I do like, I'm totally aware that I drink way too much coffee and I basically try to justify it. And I'm like, I have three kids. I'm busy. I'm trying to do this. I'm trying to do that. So I just need my coffee. But, uh, but that totally makes sense of what you're talking about of, you know, you don't really need it. You can become dependent on it. Mm-hmm. But, um, uh, but I've heard so many people talk about, um, in like inputting more greens or, you know, specific foods into their diet to increase their energy and, um, just have a real positive outlook on um, how you can become more, I don't, I'm trying not to use the word healthy because obviously that's healthy, but um, I guess just more energetic and more live from the inside. Does that make sense? Oh yeah, I know what you mean. Definitely, (laughs) it's uh, so many people between all the things we have to deal with, especially, and I'll give you this credit, if you're a mother or a parent, even if you don't have little kids, you have so much more going on, so it's, it's going to affect kind of like your um, your adrenal and if you're worrying at night and you're getting enough sleep. So that's where adrenals are just these little things, but they have so much power. They're, they're kind of like, especially if a person is eating a lot of refined sugar, so the body kind of goes narrow down because of the sugar, the adrenals have to put you up. So um, that's where the, the body can say that it needs something, but what it's really trying to say is it needs something else. So if you have a coffee and you don't just have a kind of enjoyment type of thing or quality beans, it's like, I need it to pick me up. Well, there's some other internal things going on there. Some, um, maybe not just adrenals, but other things. So yeah, dietary, but also lifestyle factors and what organs is to help get the energy up. So 
you can drink coffee as for enjoyment instead of needing it to get your motor running. <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. This is something I'm working on. I'm pretty good in the morning. Like I drink it black and I have, you know, have a cup. And then in the afternoon, I'm like, okay, like I need this. I get up so early and I'm just like, okay, I gotta have this to get through the rest of the day. So um, we might have to talk like off of this and be like, okay, Priscilla, you gotta help me <laughs> write my coffee happen. <laughs> it is bad. I will, I will admit that. I'm like, yeah, this is bad. But, um, okay. So I have heard over the years, I actually, um, have a friend of the family. She's an esthetician. She was many years ago. And I remember, I don't want to call them old lifestyles, but I, I just may have remembered them incorrectly. So I don't want to say these are like statements that she told me, but I remember we would be eating out somewhere and she would say, Oh, you know, lemons are really good for your skin or onions are really good for your skin or this or that. So are there certain foods that can help, um, just improve the quality of our skin, even if we don't have issues like acne or rosacea or something that requires a lot more, um, I would say oversight from a professional like you, but just something like, I just want prettier skin. What would you suggest? <laughs> See, this is kind of a, I understand why this question comes around now. Lemons and onions, I haven't heard of them specifically, no, but I think maybe what she was thinking of was vitamin C. And the thing oh, is, people usually hear, oh, vitamin C, oh, marvelous. Well, between people, you know, not eating vitamin C rich foods every day and soil depletion, you're going to more commonly have a not, not as much vitamin C as you may be wanting to be getting. And vitamin C is great for the skin. So, my recommendations is usually be um, something like a, sometimes a, depending on the person's level, uh, commonly drinking teas that are extremely high in vitamin C, like rosehip. But I prefer even superfoods like, and they come in a powder, acerola, or camu camu, because the majority of the whole vitamin C supplements on the market thing are um, a part of the vitamin C. And the vitamin C is supposed to actually be the whole component, the whole of it that you're supposed to be taking. But you know, see like ascorbic acid, this, then that, 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 that's not the whole kind of like whole food form of vitamin C. That's why teas, but also superfood powers, because you only need a little bit, so the cost of them is very um, efficient. They're kind of a great way to be able to get that in. Uh, as for um, the skin health in general, I definitely think that zinc, you know, helps the skin heal. That, that part's a little harder <laughs> to say, go get foods because there's zinc high in certain foods like pumpkin seeds, oysters. That's going to be a little bit more difficult to get people to eat readily. And um, once again, kind of like store-bought supplements, I don't always trust the quality of. So that's kind of where a person would have to get the research for quality, quality products if they were low in zinc because um, between multiple vitamins and other uh, supplements at the store, you're not always going to get the really good product. So that can be a thing. Omega-3s, I uh, commented about, because those are amazing because of people being so imbalanced about omega-6s between the grains, between the nuts, and between everything. And they really do help the skin, as long as you're getting a good one. And some people you know, have to look at a different source because they have um, fish allergies. So that's, those are kind of the, the top, I think, of my brain. And cod liver oil has, like, vitamin A. So do, I know this is going to sound gross, grass-fed organ meat. That's, again, where sometimes it's easier 
I have special privileges because I'm a practitioner that I, if I'm working one-on-one -on -one with a client, I'll recommend something to bolster them up more quickly. So it'd be like uh, a fat syllable vitamin blend, A, D, E, and K. So if you are somebody who is able to find a quality company, and I mean a good one, and they're harder to find, you can sometimes get fat syllable vitamin blends because fat syllable vitamins do kind of work together. That's why you have like vitamin K and quality dairy, and you got vitamin A and these things. And the once again, traditional foods that people don't eat as much of, the grass-fed liver has a lot of fat syllable vitamins in there, but it's not considered cool anymore. Right. <laughs> If you really don't like grass-fed liver, but you can physically eat it, barbecue it in tinfoil changes the whole texture. So, I find um, fat soluble vitamins are overlooked. People, you know, might hear a bit about omega threes, but they don't hear or think about these other ones because they're in the foods that people have either forgotten about or they've been taught not to eat like quality full-fat um, dairy. And then, of course, uh, digestion. If people aren't breaking down and absorbing the nutrients, they're not going to be able to take those fats as well. So that's kind of like a huge one there. Well, I'm glad that you touched on supplements because that was actually going to be one of the next questions is, you know, when they like, do you just have people come to you and say, Oh, Priscilla, I just cannot do this. Like I can't eat this or I can't do this. Like, is that kind of a last resort? If someone is trying to improve something, like, do you even recommend supplements at all? Or do you try to really just get the foods in there? <laughs> I try primarily dietary wise because I'm wanting people to change over to habits where they're constantly getting in these nutrients. But I really believe that because of, you know, lifestyle sources and because of how low people can be in certain nutrients or, or uncommon they are consuming them, supplements can play a factor. And I don't, you know, I, I can comment about things like the fat soluble vitamins as well, but as a general thing, anything else is very individual because people have different in, very individual needs. And I don't ever list brands because um, it really depends on person's location. And there are some good brands out there, but there are plenty of not so good brands. So rather than having people message, oh, is this brand good? Is right. that good? I'm trying to have this list of like 50 different brands. I'm sorry, I haven't researched them. Right. <laughs> I do have ones that I do know work, would recommend to people, but I do try and encourage them to incorporate things. And um, yes, if a person really had difficulty incorporating certain things, I would maybe try and help them out in that area. But once again, that's the supplements aren't things usually to be taken long term. They're kind of like you work on this area and then you improve, you heal. Um, and there are some other just like common, like people deplete magnesium. It's a trick of mineral. So topical magnesium oil is a great one. Magnesium bath, sometimes internal. And um, depending on how rich they can actually get a diet in certain fatty acids, I might recommend quality supplements for that as kind of more general. Um, so there's between short-term and long-term there, but the, any, anything that's long-term would be more of like the, the simple necessities that they might not actually be able to get. I always encourage dietary first and supplement due to our short-term for healing periods. That's very interesting. Um, it's interesting that you mentioned magnesium because that's actually a supplement that was recommended to me um, I think two and a half, maybe three years ago for, um, for muscle and like joint mm -hmm. stuff. So I started taking it and, um, and I've just been taking it 
for two and a half years and I haven't really, um, it's not something that's mentioned whenever I go see my doctor, you know, they don't ask like, you know, what supplements are you taking? I tell them and they say why. And then it's just funny how, you know, and you mentioned this earlier that your diet was never a factor in you going to see physicians and doctors before it was kind of like this, you know, figment of the imagination I feel like you know it's like oh this thing that you do several times a day doesn't actually affect you know it's not affecting your health I mean I know doctors aren't saying that but I feel like that's just this huge overlooked process like part of the process it's like a piece of the puzzle so if I were wanting to add um foods with magnesium what foods have magnesium like there's definitely foods that are higher in magnesium, but as for people getting enough and supplement, and once again, apparently it's a bit of a tricky mineral, but we use it um, if it causes like a stress, and it, it can be good for muscle things. The, the two common, I think, one is the whole citrate, which can always be digested as well and give people more of them. I'll try to say this nicely. Bowel issues. Right, more right. So... <laughs> So once again, that's where, especially for a lot of people, that the topical kind of oils or sprays because they absorb in or um, the quality kind of a different blend. But as for foods that are higher, yes, you can have certain leafy greens like spinach, I believe. Um, Raw cocoa powder can be one. And there's some of those common ones. It's interesting when people crave chocolate. And this is now... To the listeners who are female, you probably often see the little cartoons of around your time of the month craving chocolate. <laughs> one or both of two factors. A, your body's telling you you need magnesium, though that Cadbury chocolate bar is not going to give you very much. <laughs> Maybe that's where the supplemental part is. And raw cocoa powder. Um, and secondly, it could, of course, be the sugar thing. People will sometimes crave sugar, as we all know, even though the body does not need that so on occasion the body can crave things that it doesn't actually need that specific item some occasional people will crave bread when they in fact their body is having a sensitivity to whatever is in the bread and at the other times the majority of times cravings are our bodies telling us something so there's a really interesting story one of my instructors actually he was helping a and kid you not this is a doctor so with the doctor as you talk about diet, this is really funny, would go to McDonald's and get fries. And he would eat the French fries. He would have them all finished before he came back to the office. So as he's working with this um, nutritional instructor of mine, he goes um, supplementing fatty acids, working on digestion. So his nurse is noticing that, you know, he'd go and get fries, but then he'd get back to the office and he hadn't touched any. And then, yeah, he'd kind of eat some and she'd have to throw out half the package. Now, for the record, I would always recommend that people would omit fast food and fries, but once again, meeting people where they're at, working at getting him to phase it out and supplementing and working on the digestion of fatty acids, his body was craving the fries less as he was getting more and more quality fatty acids in his body. So his body was craving the fatty acids, even though the French fries were actually not a good source just like people can crave um, other things. Sometimes people are probably looking for a bit of a salt fix if they're, if they're constantly eating low, low, low sodium things. So that, that's kind of the interesting factor there. And like when people go shopping, why they're told never to go shopping hungry. 
it's because your body is um, needing an energy boost. That's why you're more common to look for a sugary thing or your brain is thinking that because it wants, I need a bit of energy. Well, doesn't mean that you need the refined sugary treat. It just means your body's trying to tell you something else. So that's another way where people get confused between what the whole thinking that health, and this is a huge problem for people, is a self-control, self-discipline thing. Yes, you need to change and do and work, but your body's giving you signals. If you don't know how to read them, you won't understand what's going on. And every time that you feel down in energy and you reach for something sugary and it boosts you up and you feel good, you feel bad about yourself because you just reached for something sugary. Well, no, it was trying to tell you something else that you just didn't understand. Right, right. And I think that it's almost like, fantasize too that's like oh you know like you're you, you're craving sweets go get a treat you know like the the retail and like the food industry has kind yeah. of brainwashed us it's like ever it's okay like everyone does this everyone indulges in sweet treats like it's fine come buy our stuff and yeah. indulge in our stuff so um so yeah I, I love I love your explanation of that it just it totally makes sense and now I'm gonna listen to my own body more about like, okay, well, why am I craving this? But, um, you mentioned something about, um, you know, the, the raw cocoa powder or something. And that what I was thinking in my head, it's like, okay, well, how do you ingest that? Are you, are you cooking? So does it matter when, you know, when you cook things like, are you like, how does, how does it work? We want to incorporate things in our diet that let's say cinnamon's really good, but I'm like, I only like cinnamon on like cinnamon toast and that has sugar. So how do we get these foods into our diet? Um, is it suggested cooking or like, well, how would you, how would you tell someone to get more cocoa powder into their diet? <laughs> okay. <clears throat> this is kind of the, I guess I put in this kind of explanation is, um, people can of course you know there's like health trends and and sometimes they're fun sometimes they're kind of like okay a bit, a bit it's silly but the thing with that is then people will see a food and they'll be like oh my word it's so cool it's a superfood i gotta incorporate this well there's some that are extremely difficult to incorporate even if you think they're great i've tried spirulina and i'm sure there's some people who can make mixes that make it taste good i cannot find <laughs> it tastes horrendous and that's the thing about <clears throat> Health is supposed to be balanced. So you focus on the overall diet. And yeah, like I said, magnesium is usually the, the, the Epsom salt bath, the topical, sometimes the quality supplements. Much easier to get it in that way, <clears throat> especially because of soil depletion. I mean, I'm sure in certain parts of the world, people are constantly eating certain vegetables and different things, and especially in the past, it had such good soil. They're getting plenty of magnesium from the soil. And they may, we weren't as such a stressful environment. We are. So we have to take in consideration our lifestyle. That part dictates our um, bio-individuality. That's not only the internal, but the lifestyle factors. As for the superfood thing, hey, it can be great. I mean, cinnamon can be fun on some things, but I don't, I don't want people to think like, oh, cinnamon, I must incorporate it every day because this is so healthy. Right. Then it gets them to, I'll say, the um, kind of the tunnel vision mindset. What superfoods? Now, superfoods, are great and they can be beneficial and they can be fun i mean i mentioned the ones that are high in vitamin c because they're so easy to incorporate vitamin c camu camu powder acerola you just sprinkle it on it and some things and it does help you in the vitamin c area because you might be lacking with raw cocoa powder 
if you if you look at different foods, it, once again, it kind of depends on the individual if they can kind of handle um, a lot of raw foods. But secondly, I, I think you kind of need a mix of raw <clears throat> and cooked. So a lot of my vegetables I try and eat, you know, raw. But I'm not an only raw person in that camp, and that that's okay for me. As for raw cocoa powder, I just actually incorporated it. Um, you, you, I, I can handle um, almond butter. Some people can't handle nuts, so there's other ways. So I will add it in, and I might add a bit of honey. I don't add artificial sweeteners, but I don't overdo it. So it is can be a little bitter, but it's not super um, bitter. So that's kind of how I add it. Or in, um, once again, I can tolerate full fat cream. Some people can't. That's how I might eat it. So that's kind of way I see it as more of a enjoyable thing because it's a chocolate, but it's not refined. And to be quite honest, if you ever try to give me a commercial chocolate bar, I have pretty much gag because all I would taste <laughs> is the sugar. Uh, commercial sugar has a very artificially taste to me because my taste buds have changed. That's another thing. If you've ever, um, and it, this depends on people. So if you've ever had where there's a period in your life where you cut out sugar a lot and you removed it and just you know had minimal fruits and primary vegetables, you're going to see that your taste buds are resensitized. And this is especially on people, very unique short-term healing diets. Maybe they had to cut out honey and um, pretty much all fruits for just a, a short time very specific this isn't common once they start eating those again it's like wow this is so sweet i can't believe it the taste buds are resensitized so that's another thing about um trying to even talk to people about using rock cocoa powder and a bit of honey or cream or whatever they might look at you like you're crazy wouldn't that right. taste horrible i'm used <laughs> to my 50 percent bar priscilla no, <laughs> you're used to that because you have been desensitized because there's sugar in everything. And that's like, that's like why you watch those um, TV shows. They have the cupcakes and they have like two inches of icing. I can't fathom how anybody could consume that, but they've been desensitized so much that that's the norm. So when you're talking about people about health, you have to talk to them about balance and encourage them about working towards a good balance and maybe having fun with certain foods, but also as they're silly, this is amazing thing to see as people change their diet, they start enjoying certain foods more, or they get certain ideas for creativity, it doesn't all come in a box. So now they're like, oh, I didn't realize how good this tasted. Well, that's because you weren't used to your taste buds actually being right. sensitized. You're so used to the sugar, 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 sugar in everything. So that's kind of my perspective on that. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Oh my gosh. I could sit here and talk to you about food all day. Like I love the conversations <laughs> about food because like I said, I have this interest in nutrition. I've cut out things. And when you're, you're talking about like the total taste bud makeover, I mean, I, I used to drink so many Sprites and like just Cokes and stuff like that a long time ago. And I don't ever drink them. Like, I mean, we're talking about once or twice a year. I'll have one because I don't crave them. I don't want one. But then if I drink it, I'm like, did they change it? Like, it's way too sweet. It is way too sweet. I'm like, has it always been this sweet? And people look at me like, what are you talking? Like, it's yeah. the same to me. And I'm like, no, it doesn't. It's way too sweet. So yeah, I totally get what you're saying. And it totally doesn't help that. And I, I hate seeing this, but I you're in the U.S., I guess this <clears throat> applies more to the Super Bowl type of thing. Every year, those those mega celebrity commercials do have high performance athletes who would be on special clean diets so that they can actually perform and wouldn't be drinking this stuff commonly. Right. 
high-level celebrities who probably are also aren't drinking it are now promoting um, the, these drinks that have zero health benefits for the entirety of the body are pretty much pure sugar and there's like whoa we're living an awesome life while degrading our health that's nothing that's not what actually happens right that always kind of amazes my mind that's the opposite of the person that would be commonly drinking that thing but they're using that individual to promote their product so what you said about the sweetness is especially if people are constantly seeing this image of it being the norm for people who are high performance high level people are they going to be as commonly thinking in their brain that no the truth is they're not actually drinking that pretty much ever right exactly. <laughs> not to be yeah. at the level that they are you can't you right. can't be an nhl player and drink coke every day <laughs> Right. Exactly. Oh my gosh. Like, yeah, we could, we could chat about this forever, but I, I do want to get on to the next segment because I'm Sorry. just like, okay, no, <laughs> we can talk about it forever. Cause you said something and then like a book popped into my head. I saw something about Tom Brady released a book that was like, you know, his diet of like high performance athletes and people look mm -hmm. at it and they're just like, there's no way I could do this. And I'm pretty sure he would look at our diet and yeah. say, <laughs> what are you doing to your body? You know, like, this is why you can't, you know, run a quarter of a mile without collapsing over. And, you know, anyway, like I said, we could talk about this. Yeah. <laughs> but I do want to move on to our next segment. And I have a few questions that we ask all of our guests. And the first one is, what motivates you on days when everything is just super tough? You're running late, you've spilled your coffee, like, it's just... It's just a crazy day. What motivates you to keep going? What motivates me is, um, I get, uh, in, my, in my mind, it's always the, what would be the opposite? You know, what would be the alternative? So if I don't continue in the work that I'm passionate about and helping people, well, what else would I do with my life? Well, I definitely wouldn't be as happy. I wouldn't be as you know, enjoying it, and especially because I've worked so hard for it and it's been such a long journey so this who I am now is of course like you said kind of the culmination of the journey that it took me to get here and then my passion for helping others and as a entrepreneur as a business person my desires to be a business um, of my own my own boss I guess you could say and some of those goals is what motivates me because if I think about you know quitting or taking a long vacation from it well where would I be well if you even take a long time away from it you're not going to just get there one day you're going to be putting it off further and further and further the world essentially doesn't stop turning just because I'm having a bad day so even though it's very difficult that's the one mental thing that always keeps me going is I have to be stubborn and persistent because this is what I really want then you have to be able to go through the ups and the downs and it's kind of frequent up and down Within entrepreneurs, but <laughs> I think that everything you just said resonated with every one of our listeners because, <laughs> um, as entrepreneurs, everyone can relate to that. So I'm so I'm so glad that you shared that. Thank you. <laughs> but okay, my next question is: Do you consider yourself a perfectionist? Are you asking me? Or are you asking my family members and friends? <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes I don't think I am, but then I'm told that I am, especially if um, I'm, I'm not a what's the word, control freak and everything, but I am a bit more. So it, when it comes to certain things, I'm a perfectionist, or, or I guess I just really enjoy learning and trying to do things better and better, 
but then you keep getting told again, done is better than perfect. So if this image or this graphic or even as I'm launching my course in April, if this part of the project doesn't look perfect, you know, you have to actually get it done. You can't be perfect, especially what looks from your eye, your perspective might not be exactly as people see it out there. So as I learn more and more about the fact that I have to resonate with my clients and my potential clients and their level, what they see and what they appreciate and enjoy as for my expertise and as what I put out there, even content wise, I may want it to be more perfect on my end, but they're not usually a trained nutritional therapist. They don't care (laughs) if I have all of the details. I actually have to come from their place, which means a little bit less of a perfectionist. And when it comes to health, a variety of people will comment, you know, wanting to be a perfectionist in health. But as one lady, a mentor I really appreciate commented, you know, um, you can't be perfect in everything, especially because of our modern world. So, and if you take it so, so, so wanting to be perfect, so dead on and everything, you're actually now going to be creating more anxiety about all these variety of things that can create problems. It can be between not enjoying your food because you're paranoid as compared to, I know what ingredients are in it. I know there's not vegetable oils. I know there's not major sensitivities. I know there's not sugar. It can't be done on perfect. So if you worry about this too much, you're not going to enjoy your food. And if you're constantly getting more anxiety, that does affect your healing. If your body is constantly anxious, can't heal as good. So I guess that's the thing of, yeah, I'm sometimes a perfectionist, but I'm more of a perfectionist, the mental mindset that I have to let go in some areas for my health and actually for the benefit of and the betterment of my business and helping my clients, I sometimes have to let go of perfectionism. Well, that's good. Yeah, that's, and that's <laughs> a great explanation that I think a lot of people can relate to of, um, you know, there's some places where you're like, oh, I don't want to admit, you know, how, how much I want this to be perfect. But I also, you know, I understand that if I don't let go of it a little bit, then I'm going to be stuck or I'm only, I'm going to be limited to how far I can go. So I, I think that will really resonate with a lot of people. Yeah. So my last question is if you could go back and tell your younger self one piece of advice, what would you say to her? Oh, that one's hard. <clears throat> I, I've sometimes thought if I could go back and tell my younger self to go see a, a nutritional expert like myself, that that's be the main thing I'd want to do because to prevent all those years of suffering and tears and um, the, the kind of feeling of I've done everything I can, but I'm not getting anywhere on this. But if I did that, then I wouldn't be in the position I am to be able to help so many people. So I think um, actually the big piece of advice I'd give my younger self is mindset. So one thing I've had to learn the hard way and a lot of people do is you have to have mindset. It's like the cornerstone and the biggest piece of business and life as an entrepreneur or somebody in any passion field, because if you don't, and mindset's a work thing. So if you don't continue to work on it, then you're not going to be able to get through some of those ups and downs as quickly or as well. But if you are working in mindset and you understand what that means, kind of like instead of the belief that maybe I'm not good enough, it's I am working to become better and I have to get through this phase. So the the mindset is also not just to keep going, but just and 
what is your end goal, but why? And to see yourself as capable. So my mind shift has totally shifted my look outlook on things is now more of a, well, this seems kind of difficult, but instead of lacking the you know, ability, it's like, I can do that. I just have to learn. So things that I thought I would never be able to do before, like I never thought I'd be able to create a course, but now I'm doing it. And I was kind of like, oh, I thought those major techie, really intelligent people. They've got like textbook knowledge, you know, it's like they went to his teacher at school and they got these books they're just going to flip through on the course. No, that's not actually true. So I've grown so much, but once again, mindset, it's not, can or can I do that? It's, um, how do I get there? That's awesome. Oh, that's so good. And I think that that's another, that's something else that people can totally relate to that are listening right now is mindset is so important. Like literally, if you walk away from this entire interview, listening to it, like that, I feel like is probably the best piece of advice that you Mm -hmm. can give is mindset. So Thank you so much for joining us today. Um, I do have one more thing and I want you to share with us, where can everybody find you on social media or do you have a website? Where can everybody um, locate and learn more about you? I do actually have a um, a Facebook page and I think I give you the links for that. It might be easier than trying. And I do have a website. It's my name, Priscilla Johnson lowercase letters ntc.com and that's how people connect with me or on my facebook business page probably the easiest way so if you leave um, contact through the form on my website or a message through facebook messenger i will get back to you quickly and i love to chat and connect with people i love to connect with people who have skin health issues or even fellow nutrition enthusiasts like yourself i am very open to chat (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah. Priscilla, I'm, I'm going to be like, okay, Priscilla, we need to just talk about food because I've read so many books about food too. I feel like this super food geek, but oh my gosh, we could probably have conversations. For we hours. could. It would be so much fun. <laughs> but thank you so much for coming on the show today. Uh, thank you. I had a lot of fun. Y'all, that was so good. Like, I hope that you learned some things about your own habits when it comes to food and taking care of your skin and just all the lifestyle changes that like it has a really big impact. And I can say that because I used to not be as healthy as I am today. I used to hardly ever take care of myself. It wasn't actually until I became a mom that I became more aware of how important it is to put healthy foods into your body and really take care of yourself. So Priscilla, I still think about her whenever I'm drinking a little bit too much coffee because that's like my vice. That's my one thing is I love my coffee. So I am aware of it and I'm thinking about it more, but I love how she just has such a passion to help people like to not let having skin problems hold you back from being the person that you want to be. And I just love that she's taken this challenge that she personally faced and turned it into a business and a mission to help people have better skin and just feel so confident in their own skin. So that does it for today's episode. If this is your first time tuning in, I'd love for you to subscribe to the show and hear some of the other fun interviews and the other things that we have coming up in the next few weeks. And I encourage you to go to Facebook and type in the Profit Podcast online community and join in on the conversation there. I go live once a week and we talk about podcasting and the different things that you can do with a podcast. 
And we would just love to see you there. So I hope you join in the conversation. But that does it for today's episode. So remember, keep it up. We all have to start somewhere.